Well, I'm really sorry that uh, folks listening are not here because uh, the whole gang is here at Mark O'Brien's house in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And he just made a breakfast quiche that was to die for. Film Photography Podcast. This is episode number 144, April 15th, 2016. Wow. And it is springtime. Woohoo! Yeah. And I have the whole gang here, most of the gang. My name is Michael Rosso, and to my left, going around the table, is Mr. Mark O'Brien. Good morning. Mark Dalzell. Hey. Leslie Lazenby. Hello. Matt Mirage. Yo. Yes. This is going to be a great show. And let's open up with a letter. I gave, uh, I handed a letter to Matt. Who's it from, Matt? Ah, uh, this is from uh, Mark Sarwald. Uh, really en- has really enjoyed our latest podcasts, especially segments on large format cameras that are still in production. Like to add one to your list. I shoot a Walker Titan SF made by Mike Walker in the UK. It's a fantastic 4x5 field camera made of ABS plastic and stainless steel. Mike doesn't make my model anymore, but he's still very active pumping out a variety of large format cameras. You can check him out at www.walkercameras.com, and I have it pulled up right now on my uh, my smart device here. And he makes fantastic, lightweight, field, just rugged as hell, uh, large format field cameras. Typically uh, fixed, non-folding, wide-angle cameras, uh, 4x5, 5x7, 8x10. Um, he is also, if you uh, note the the heavy use of ABS plastic on there, he is also the man behind the Ilford pinhole large format cameras. So the 4x5s and the 8x10 model, or 10x8 in the UK, uh, models for those. So, uh, no, Mike Walker makes some fantastic cameras, and sorry we hadn't talked about those sooner. I wish I had one I could talk about a little bit better. Uh, probably the closest equivalent of such a solid camera here in the in the u.s would probably be something made by mr keith canham right on the west coast he's i try to send him business at least once a week great stuff good turnaround and i imagine for the uk mr walker is quite the same so yeah thanks mark yeah for folks listening we're talking about large format cameras if you're just shooting 35 millimeter film or 120 film and just getting back into it you could you know you know think of the old timey of a guy (laughs) I mean, old time, you always see a guy. Mm-hmm. A guy. Maybe a pack mule. Yeah. With a wooden tripod with a camera, and the, the, the photographer has a cloth over their head. Yes. Push, pushing the lens back and forth across the bellows. Yep. Bellows. And then if you're watching, like, Downton Abbey, and they're doing a group shot, you'd see the guy with the powder. He'd have his flash. He'd be holding a stick. Mm-hmm. Poof. With the powder on it. <laughs> I want to do that. I want to mix, start making flash powder. They are large format cameras. You're, you're you, going to get on a list, Mark. <laughs> and you can buy a brand new uh, large format camera from the Keith Canham of the UK. He's called. <laughs> well, I may, or maybe uh, Keith Canham is the Mike Walker of the, of the okay, US. Okay, there you go. In they're, the they're UK. Both, they're both fantastic cameras. In, um, the, in the UK. Mike Walker. Yes. Uh, WalkerCameras.com. If, if you shoot landscape, freaking trees. <laughs> 
uh, or you know, rocks, slow water, film. slow film, yeah. any of that stuff, pinhole. Um, mm-hmm. Walker cameras are definitely for you. Uh, the Ilford Harmon uh, pinhole cameras, he makes those, or they're designed by him. Uh, just fantastic stuff. And what if what if you're in the U.S.? If you're in the U.S., uh, you can still consider a Walker camera because uh, the prices. No, no, but I mean, if you're in the U.S., call Keith Kim. Oh yeah, for sure. Or no, call me. <laughs> call me at Midwest because I'll get you a better deal. All right. Yeah. Mm, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And that's, that's, that's how can someone get in touch with you, Matt? Uh, they can go to uh, www.mpex.com, fill out a contact form, or they can just send me an email, Matt, M-A-T, at mpex.com. It's super easy. Great. It's even easier than my FPP email. And, of course, if someone wants to pick up a large – if someone wants to get into large format and they want to go a little easier on the pocketbook, can they oh. go to eBay? No, they can call me still. Oh, okay. we got used <laughs> cameras. I'm the guy who buys them in, so I, they're, they're great. Make sure the bellows are good. If they're not, you know, I start punching them down on price. (laughs) (laughs) No, so I usually buy stuff in at a a great deal so I can sell it at an equally great deal to you. So, yeah, just hit me up. I still need that that tripod block for my Calumet. Keep watching for one of those. It's sixty-five dollars now. Just suck it up, man. Sixty-five. Yeah. The last one you sent me was one fifty. It's the same guy. He's down to sixty-five. Just get it. Oh, I'm gonna get it right now. Uh, you know, since you're t- wow, look at you, Mark shopping. See? Mark Delzell. See, I'm, I'm looking out for everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm looking out for everybody now. See. Well, at least you're not clipping your nails. <laughs> was that John that was doing yes. that? Yes. Creep. <laughs> Uh, since you're, you're 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 talking and Mark Delzell, yeah, I'm, I'm awake look, now. Yeah, <laughs> Mark Delzell's looking up tripods. Let's uh-huh. really let's get right into your topic, which is get a tripod part two, the tripod head. Oh yeah. So in the the words of uh, Professor Jeff, probably the first phrase he uttered aside from cell phones off in the classroom was, "Get a frickin' tripod," and it's pro- for large format, it's a no brainer. But for the smaller stuff, you know, you probably probably want to consider a tripod at some point. Shoot right. some of that Sfema, 64. Is that a great price? Yep. Probably need a tripod for that stuff unless we're shooting wide freaking open. Well, you, you actually, you're talking to a guy who's shooting ISO 0.8 handheld. Uh, so, man, get that, a freaking tripod. That, get a tripod, man. <laughs> well, you know, I think the, the fun thing about tripods is they, they've come down in price for really good ones now. Yeah. And the, when we were at Camera Mall yesterday, they had these really nice oh, ones yeah. that folded up. It would fit in a in a backpack really easily. Oh yeah, and uh, they're sturdy. They have quick release uh, heads on them. Yeah, and I think that's also important. I have um, the Manfrotto series tripod yeah, quick releases, mm-hmm. and I I have enough of those to go on all the cameras that I use yep. frequently. With RC two little rectangles. Yep, little yep. rectangles. Yep, those ones are solid. Not mm-hmm. to I don't want to derail your conversation, but uh, I have my Bogan since night. 1985. What's great? No, what's great about those is they've been in manufacture for so long that yep. there's consistency. You can always find parts for it. Even yeah. if you bring – so if you go to Midwest Photo Exchange, you bring in a Bogan tripod from the 60s, they probably still make parts for it. We have to, it has to go to Italy or it has to come from Italy, Italy. but they're going to they're gonna have parts. Did you get your Bogan in Bergen? I got my Bogan in Bergen, I think so. I got my Bogan at B&J. Oh. Both of them. But for me, there is no other tripod. Like, I've used that tripod. It's yep. been in my, ba- my, you know, whatever, my carry bag. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what I'm shooting, 35 millimeter, I put a, a Betacam camera, mm-hmm. like super heavy yeah. camera on that. I've put an Aeroflex uh, SR on that. I mean, and you've seen it, saw it. It's not a big head. 
No, but it, it can hold it's, a, a pretty decent amount. So, speaking, anyhow, speaking of heads, yes. there's we can boil it down to like three basic, yeah, three basic types of heads. Oh, wait, wait, back up for folks at home listening who are thinking about getting a tripod mm-hmm. and think of it as one piece. When you say a head, is that the top of the tripod is a different actual piece than the legs? Yes, usually. Um, they, now, come, they usually are sold as a kit? Usually. Then, like your cheaper, your $30 special plasticky tripods, those are kind of sold as like all together because it's plastic. Something's going to break and you have to replace the whole thing. But with a um, like your good tripods, those all use a universal standard. The top of the tripod, if you're just buying the sticks, has a 3 8 16 screw so 3 8 is 3 8 inch 3 8 of an inch and then 16 is 16 threads per inch and then the threading that threads into your camera is quarter 20 or quarter inch and 20 threads per inch so it's a little tighter threading for a head there's three basic types of heads that will either have a quick release mechanism or just thread right into your camera anymore most of them have quick releases because we don't want to be bothered with threading it in and out you don't want to cross thread something on your camera and never be able to mount it again uh, your first type of head is your ball head and that's there's there's a ball and there's there's a locking mechanism around the ball so you have kind of free rotation of all these different axes up top mm-hmm. and then you have a little quick release adapter and that will uh, allow you to kind of maneuver it around really quickly portrait wedding guys somebody that just kind of shoots everything the ball heads do a, a pretty good job and it used to be that the ball heads didn't have as much capacity but anymore they have it ins- i mean i have one that holds 85 pounds now so there's there's tons out there that can it can fit whatever your needs are i know somebody that puts an 8x20 camera on a ball head and it, it holds it's crazy second type of head is your three-way head or like your or you're just your locked axis head so there's there's your two axis head and three axis head so you have your your pan tilt and your z axis that you can control with that what you're doing with them is you're locking them separately so um, landscape guys sometimes macro guys like that basically if you're doing a little more fine-tuned control and you only want to move one direction it uh, it really helps to control that but for portrait what somebody that's on the go the three-way heads can be kind of a pain because you have to remember oh did i lock this did i not lock that if you're doing a long exposure and you didn't lock it like it's probably going to be some blur going mm-hmm. on and three-way heads typically <clears throat> have about the same capacity anymore as your as your ball heads but they're a little cheaper than ball heads and usually get a little more capacity for your dollar. And then your last type of head, which has kind of kind of been forgotten in recent years, but they make some fantastic ones. And I, I brought in this this monster that I put my 8x10 on. Um, this is the third type of head, a geared head. And a, gear, <laughs> a gear head. Yeah. For all the geared heads. And the geared heads are, this is my, my giant uh, majestic geared head. So they're kind of like three-way heads, except... Uh, when you when you adjust an axis, it's uh it's on a it's on a gear. It's it's already locked. So what you're doing is you make an adjustment. And it's already locked down. So you it's essentially set it and forget it. And it's much more finer tuning than than it would be with just a ball head where you're you're manhandling the thing. You just do it exactly. incrementally. So um, I think architecture guys, large format macro guys, especially macro. Once you show somebody macro, just being able to adjust mm. something by half a degree. They love it. They're hooked. So if, if you're interested in geared heads, uh, probably the most cost-effective ones now. Manfrotto makes one that's 200 bucks. They used to their entry level used to be 400 bucks, so they're a lot more accessible now. Can't um, complain about that. No bucks. No, actually, uh, Alan Ross bought one of the 200 dollars ones, and if it's good enough for a student Ansel Adams, I'd say it's good enough for a lot of us. He puts a four by five on there. So no, but geared heads are, are awesome. 
They're, they're not for everybody. They're not like the quickest to, to work with, but this guy, uh, this old Majestic head, I picked it up for 50 bucks, and it holds, I mean, it's a tank. I mean, it's just giant hunk of iron on there, and then I got my little, this one didn't come with a quick-release adapter, so I bought, uh, I bought a NovaFlex adapter on there, too, because we're a NovaFlex dealer at MPEX, so. Wow. What is that, that rig that you're holding in your hand, what does that cost, like the whole thing? The whole thing? Uh, I mean, I'm, hmm. I didn't guess. Oh, well, I have employee purchase, so. Okay. okay. Oh, street price? Oh, God. Uh, street on the sticks is five, one fifth, six fifty, a grand. Okay. But if you're doing this, if you're a, a professional videographer in, or a corporate videographer or a wedding videographer or oh, a stiff. This isn't, this isn't for video, no. Can't, oh, you can't use it for video. I would not use – that's another great thing to – yeah. So your fluid heads, I have, I've left out fluid heads. Oh. Um, this, it's that's not what, fluid motion. This is for stills only. Gotcha. Yeah, we're, we're keeping this conversation to stills. Once we introduce video, we need a, a fourth head, our fluid head. Okay. Which is, it's just much more fluid for continuous motion. Gotcha, gotcha. So that, you have two axes you lock, typically right, right, a right. pan and a tilt. Yeah. And it's just smooth. Now for tilt uh, fluid heads, you can use them for stills, but they typically, because they have to be a little more precisioned, uh, precision machine along the whole, along the whole piece, you uh, have less capacity. And I would say if you're using a, fl- uh, a fluid head for stills, it takes up a lot more space in your bag. And if you use it for stills and you're only locking it in a couple different directions, mm-hmm. you can uh, you can strip it and it won't work as well the next time you go to do video with it. So I would say keep them separated as much as you can. I have two different heads I interchange on this, uh, on this beast a lot. Um, and what I do is – here, I'll do it here for everybody on the show – and for folks at home, what I'm doing is I'm watch up. I'm, uns- <laughs> <laughs> I'm unscrewing the the tripod base. Oh my god! And uh, that is really majestic. <laughs> and I'm just Whoa. taking the so this uh, this tripod and most most of your good tripods that have columns can interchange the column. So I have a second column that has my head for the scenar, you know, the big studio yes. beast. So when I'm shooting with the scenar, I just take this over to my buddy's studio where the scenar is parked the scenar uh rail clamps already on the thing drop the col- uh, the column in and i'm ready to shoot and, and that's really and that's so we don't have to like strip things out so yeah get a freaking tripod get a tripod and you know don't skimp too much because i think you already mentioned the 30 dollar tripods are right it's better than no tripod at all i suppose uh, not really but dep- well yeah it depends what you're shooting but you better spend I think a good tripod is going to cost you a minimum of hundred dollars for okay. a, a decent one, and then upwards from there. Now you can get one used, if it, like the old Bogans. There's a lot of those oh, on the used market. Get those for fifty, seventy-five bucks all yeah. day. Yeah, all day, every yep. day. Yeah. yeah. And if it's the really old Bogans that have the the locking spreaders, which are usually all banged up like an old bike, <laughs> like you can usually somebody will like pay you to take one away. <laughs> wow, that's that's great. Well, thank so, you, Matt. Yeah, no problem. Get a freaking tripod. Seriously, everybody, do it. Yeah. <laughs> We'll be right back. It's a great year for pictures. And Scofilm makes the picture right. And Scofilm any day or night. It's a great year for pictures. So why don't you go and get A N S C O? And Scofilm. And This weekend, make your pictures great with Ansco. Hey, we're back. Uh, here's a letter. Here's a letter from uh, Ian Butler. He's in Sandusky, Ohio. Hmm. And uh, have Mark O'Brien read this. Oh, you can start. Okay. The home of Cedar Point. All right. Yes. 
Okay, from Ian Butler. I was listening last night when I had the television on, but with the sound muted. I happened to glance up and saw Michael on a Showtime program about a director, Joe Sarno, Sarno, okay, called A Life in Dirty Movies. Whoa. A quick question. I hear so much about Dianas and Holgas on the program. I don't have one, but I do have a Rollerflex TLR. Do the toy cameras produce an image any different from my Rollerflex if I just don't focus it? Can I just blur the shot at the camera or on the enlarger and achieve the same result? I am sort of fascinated by found film. I bought a Kodak oh, 3A pocket folder, let's pocket do, folding camera. Stuff that's, let's go back to the yeah. first question. Well, let's go question. back to the dirty movies. You okay. No one didn't ask me any questions. <laughs> well, is, we know it's your dirty secret. Uh. <laughs> it's actually an awesome documentary. It okay. really is. It'll surprise you. Yeah. It surprised me. Have you seen it in the no? I have TV guide. No. It's on Netflix. Uh-huh. Yes, I'll look for it. Yes, it's it's about the life of Joe and Peggy Sarno. Mm-hmm. Joe is a New York uh, filmmaker who shot many films in Sweden. And when Joe Sarno got out of the war, he uh, was a photographer, not a war photographer, but he was a photographer and a writer. So when he got out of the war, someone asked him if he would write a script, and then would you make a movie? And Joe had an agent. And Joe's agent said, uh, Well, listen, Joe, there isn't a lot of work around. Why don't you just take the job? Can you shoot a movie? And Joe's like, I don't know. I think so. Take the job. He took the job. And it was to write, and this was the late 50s, early 60s. Uh, back then, it wasn't a dirty movie. So it would be more like, you know, um, like a Lifetime movie. You know, a movie about... Uh, um, Infidelity or something that was, you know, what's a good word? A potboiler. A little educational, maybe? It may be. So Joe started making movies, and they started making a lot of money, and people kept hiring him to make what's, I guess, known as blue movies. But the funny thing is, if you look at the, if you watch the documentary and you watch the clips from some of the black and white films that he shot, I mean, you would see them on television Right. Well, and Mm -hmm. also the U.S. Laws being what they were back in the fifties and sixties, there was heavily censored, heavily censored for anything being done and yeah. brought in. So you know there was all it was the foreign filmmakers who were doing the the cool stuff and getting yeah. being able to distribute. <laughs> and it. then uh, in in New York City in the sixties, mid to late sixties, um, there was no such thing as pornography. So what uh, exhibitors would do was import films from Sweden because they were a little racier. So what uh, a very smart producer did was send Joe Sarno to Sweden to shoot what was every, what everyone would think of Sweden. What do you think of? Inga. To shoot Inga, which is his, his you know one of his most known films. Okay. Uh, and that's why a lot of people think he's a Swedish filmmaker. But anyhow, that I spent 10 years working with Joe in the last 10 years of his life, mostly in the lab restoring... All of his classic movies, you know, for VHS release, then for DVD release, mm-hmm. and I'm still working with his family now, restoring uh, for digital release. Oh wow! Going back and doing high definition transfers. So, um, but anyhow, there's this documentary called "A Life in Dirty Movies" that a Swedish filmmaker, uh, Victor Eriksson, made about the life of Joe Sarno and his wife Peggy, which is a hoot. 
I love Peggy. They're a dynamic. They, they were like fantastic. a dynamic duo. Okay. You just fall in love with them. They're yeah. a hoot. So if you have an opportunity, check it out. And thank mm-hmm. you, Ian Butler, for asking about that. And then he had a question about Holgas. Yeah. So it's a quick question. I hear so much about Dianas and Holgas on the program. I don't have one, but I do have a Rolleiflex TLR. Do the toy cameras produce an image any different from my Rolleiflex mm-hmm. if I just don't focus it? And can I blur the shot at the camera or on the enlarger and achieve the same result? Mike. My answer to that question is no. No, no, <laughs> because no. you're doing totally no. different things. Mm-hmm. I have a Raleigh flex that he needs because the bed is off, so I have three different planes of focus. <laughs> when I think even I'm an infinity, I'm off. So, okay. but yeah, the, the what makes Holgas and Dianas so special is the fact they have simple single element lenses. Which have aberrations. There's sometimes oh, there's light leaks, which I'm not a fan of, but some people embrace them. And also, you are limited in your in your exposure by pretty much guesstimation, and you have one shutter speed. So, within those limitations, you can do some amazing amazing photography because you the only thing you're really controlling is your understanding if the conditions are good enough for a photograph with that equipment, and also your composition. If you're using any other camera where you're control, you, if you defocus something, everything in that film plane is defocused. Um, so it's not the same thing at all. And plus, you can go get a Diana or a Debonair. You still have Debonairs? Yes. Okay. Well, you can get a Debonair or a Diana. And probably there's still some Holgas in stock somewhere or a used one. Yeah. Or any toy camera with a crappy lens and shoot with it. It's not going to set you back much money. And <laughs> it's it's an injustice to take a Rolleiflex <clears throat> and shoot fuzzy images. I mean, really. Debonair camera from the Film Photography Project store uh, is 20 bucks, And you get free roll of film with it. Wow. I mean, you can't beat that. No, you can't. Yeah. You can also play around with taking cheap cameras and flipping lenses and doing other. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so there's lots of cool things you can do with with cheap cameras, and yeah, don't confuse de- um, a defocused image with a toy camera image because they are definitely in focus at certain points. Mm-hmm. We just never quite know which, and sometimes that serendipity of imprecision is what makes a really good photograph, um, and you don't realize it until after you've processed the roll of film. You go, oh my gosh, that looks wonderful. Mm. He also mentioned that. He also mentioned the softening and the enlarger. I, I know a gentleman who. Um, does work like that he actually shoots extra sharp with his Hasselblad and then soften usually softens the the corners and and the edges deliberately but it still renders differently is because of the composition of the of the lens Mm -hmm. so even if you're you know vaselining the lens you're you're using uh what does uh oh what does my buddy use in the dark i think he uses cellophane to kind of soften Mm -hmm. with the with the enlarger on the edges it's still not going to have the same look that same crappy look you'd have to physically take apart the taking lens and make it crappy or replace it with uh, something you got out of a box of cracker jack and uh to get that look mark yes get a holga lens Uh, put it on there oh yeah yeah i've got yeah i'm having trouble with my holga lens or not. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you about that. <laughs> Mark Dalzell did exactly what I did. Uh, a while back, a year or so ago, Holga came out with a lens. You can get it an EOS mount. You can get a Pentax mount. You can get just about any mount you want. It's a plastic, crappy lens to put on your 35-millimeter SLR or whatever, or digital SLR, so your shots can look like Holga. I have a comment on those. If you look at the back of your lens, you'll see this little tiny um, open 
larger hole surrounded by tiny, much smaller ones, take that right off. I'm trying. What and it, it? it will. You have to take try this it. off. Take that the little, whole thing. That whole thing off because you're Does losing. It pop off. It's, it's it shooting at like f. Fifty or something. Right. Like what, what if you take it off? Then what is the f? I'm going to do it right now. Give it to me. Um, the f stop should be like <laughs> f eight or five point six or something. Wait, it's saying s f eight with that little pinhole. You but it's not. No. There we go. There. Well, now it's f eight. There you go. Oh, oh that's what I've been trying to do. Later. Yep. Oh, look at that. And so what that does for a digital sensor, those little holes probably give you align the the image a little bit better on on your sensor, but yeah. they look like. I hated those things, so I, I took. That's what I did with mine. I, I popped that little aperture uh, plate plate out of there. It looks almost like a zone plate when you look yes. at it. Well, the lens yeah, that or, to be, or one of those diffusion discs. Yeah. The lens is supposed yeah. to be f eight, but when I actually look through it with that on, it keeps saying I'm getting like four second shutter time. What Mark did like was he took his Holga lens just now, and on the back of it was a like, it looked like a pinhole. Mm-hmm. And he was frustrated all day yesterday. He had a big puss on his face all day because the <laughs> hole was so small. So Mark just said, I'm giving a recap, Matt. Oh. Mm-hmm. Pop that off. And he just popped it off, and underneath it is the true F8. It's very crappy. Oh, yeah. But and now you're going to get good results, I think. And now you're going to get crappy results. <laughs> you can make some in between. It's true. I can Do make like heart shapes. And you yeah. Well, that yeah. too. So that yeah, I mean, I, 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 that's the way with mine, okay. and uh, it made image taking. Now, also there was one from Diana, which just hooked. They, all they just had was a little adapter that fit your SLR, and you put the Diana removable Diana lens on there, and it didn't have that on there. It just was whatever the Diana lens had, and I liked the Diana lens a little bit better actually than the Holga lens. Another one, huh? And the letter goes on. Is there another uh, another oh, topic? Yeah. Wait, update. <laughs> <laughs> Behind that one, there was another one. Oh man. Well, now what f-stop is it? Sneaky is it? bastards. I don't know, but now, now I can actually shoot with it. Now, now you can I'm actually gonna... see through it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Can I see? Yeah. So now I ripped another filter out of it. So okay, I see it well, on the camera. So can you see through it? Yeah, it's still Stacking dark. f-stops. Yeah. So it was... Huh. So you can see the difference there. I mean, that's at least oh, two yeah. stops of difference right there. And, and you want to get... If, if you're shooting with this crappy lens, you don't want the center of the lens... Only you want all the whole good effect of that crappy lens. It now, might even be crappier now. How would this work <laughs> now that you can see through it? The camera's it's going through the SLR. How how would judge the shutter speed? Is it going to do it automatically? It's aperture priority. Well, this yeah, this camera automatically shuts its shutter speed based on your aperture. So it's it can only see f eight ish. So it's oh, okay. just going to base it off of that. So so you're just going to guess that your pictures are going to be okay. Well, when I look through it, I can tell what my shutter speed is. So right now, it's saying I'm getting uh, two seconds because it's a little dark shooting your face. So you know that's not going to work. But yeah. you could use a flash with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So but it's well, a lot better than it was. The last part of his question. Ian saying, Butler. Aren't you glad I was here. Just to, help, to finally push me over the edge to rip this thing apart. <laughs> I am sort of fascinated by found film. I bought a Kodak 3A pocket folding camera at an antique store last year. It, it is a folding camera. Camerapedia says it was made from 1903 to 1915. I don't know what kind of pocket it would ever fit into. It is huge. <laughs> but of course, back then they did have big pockets. Maybe pockets were bigger than pockets. <laughs> I had a roll of one. It had a roll of 122, what they called uh-huh. postcard film in it. And I did a lot of research on how to process it and so on using HC-110. And because I did not want to buy a developing tank at the prices I saw to process a single roll, I decided an open trade developing. Yes, yeah, swish it back and forth. I bought a couple of plastic totes to use as trays and gave it a try. Unfortunately, I did not get any images. 
that is a common thing it's in old film. Pretty film. old film. Um, May it, never have been exposed. Exactly. And or what often happens is people open the back of the camera and look at it. And the where's my pictures? Yep. Yeah. Where's the pictures? Yeah. Many times people have sent me found film that was partly exposed from old brownies and so mm-hmm. forth that didn't have a thing on them. Or if it was just it was uh, like a some of those old uh, plastic crappy like Spartus Flash, things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, people just open the backs of those things in the stores, and so there's there's oftentimes nothing on those. But when you have found film from a known uh, source, and like I, I developed a bunch of found film uh, from my mother-in-law's cupboard this spring, I got a lot of useful images on there. Some were taken back in the 70s by her brother of Adrian and I, and so it was, it was kind of fun seeing seeing these pictures. I'd forgotten completely about them. So yeah, you can do that with, with old cameras. Oftentimes, people most typically ask can I find film for this old camera? And if it's unless it's if it's any other size than 120 or 127 or 620, uh, the answer is generally no. A lot of information online on how to adapt them to take 120 rolls or to put sprockets through them or all any combination you can think of. So uh, don't despair. But you're not going to be able to go back and find in the, unless you've got a time machine. You get 122 film or 116 film or the right. stuff that was four by five postcard size film, whatever. Yeah. I actually have I have a 118 camera that I I made spools to shoot 116 in like that's how I I got as big as I could get so 116 you can still sort of find if you try art 828 mm-hmm. I don't know if that guy's mm-hmm. still making 828 film um like would you, like a, a listener who sent in yeah he had he had made a it few it might rolls. have been Johnny Bryan who sent in so. 828 okay. yeah there are a couple you, of those mm-hmm. weird formats are still around you but. can if you can find um, unperfed 35 millimeter. You can turn it into 828. Yes. It's the same yeah, size. Yeah. Same, or, yeah. or, or you can or roll you, sprocket 828. Right, yeah. you can. Yeah. It's, yeah, I think it's easier to find 116 than 126. Well, thank you, Ian, from Sandusky, Ohio. Yes, and I also want to thank Ian. Uh, Ian sent a uh, cash donation to the FPP to keep, Whoa. To keep, us, uh, keep us rolling here. Thank we, you very much. We bought these funny hats with the money. Thanks. That's right. <laughs> And uh, folks listening, we are uh, listener-supported uh, at the filmphotographyproject.com. There is a donate button. You click on that, and it tells you all about what we're doing, what's going on over here, our student donation program. Uh, the cash keeps the electric on, keeps the internet on, keeps the webmaster paid. Keeps Mr. Brown flowing. Right. <laughs> you could, running brown. <laughs> could send us uh, cameras you're not using, film you're not using, uh, cash. Or, you, of course, you could send us uh, treats. When I say treats... <laughs> Mr. Brown Iced Coffee. Uh, I'm always interested in candy treats from your region, from your village. Look, what is popular from your village? From your prefecture. You know, they've been slacking on that. I'm not. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call out the FPP listeners. You're not sending enough treats. I had to. I had to buy at least the last four episodes worth of treats. <laughs> What's going? I know what's going on, FPPers. I'm not going to ask uh, where this came from or if you made this yourself. It's called strudel. I, I, I didn't make it myself. Strudel, strudel is still amongst the living. We can't even figure out what country that's from. No, but it's got figs, and it's it's like a it's like a fig Newton cookie. It's like a vanilla wafer that, Newton. Yeah. yeah. Do you uh, have any? Any folks have the, the new PO box on your phone from the email I sent? Yes. Oh yeah. Because I don't even know what our new PO box is. Oh, mm-hmm. Smartphone race for yeah. folks who want to send stuff in the mail. What stuff? Get out your pencils, and you can send it to PO box. Uh-uh-uh. I get too many emails. PO box. Da da da. 
No, they were sending it to the North Pole. Actually, I'll just look at my contacts. P.O. Box. She sent it to FPP, Fairlawn, New Jersey. Right. It'll get there. No, it won't. Kodak Film Processing, Fairlawn, New Jersey. I should have stuck with that. Okay. Go to the dead letter office. I don't think I deleted it. Do they even have a dead letter office anymore? I don't know. Probably not. There it is. P.O. Box. Two six four Fairlawn, New Jersey zero seven four one zero. Thank you, Leslie. You're welcome. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of odd film formats, when we come back, we're talking about some six twenty film cameras. Yes. Okay. I can't wait. Eastman Kodak Company is happy to bring you America's favorite family, the Nelsons, Ozzy. Harriet, David, and Ricky. They enjoy good times together. And like most of us, they enjoy good times over again in pictures. And now, let's join the Nelsons in Hawaii. In Hawaii, it's traditional to toss these flowers into the water as you leave. If they float back to shore, it's said that you're sure to come back again. I hope that's true, but there is one sure way to enjoy your vacation over again. Just take lots of movies. Well, you can just about feel those waves right now. Today, taking movies is easier than it ever was. This Brownie automatic movie camera adjusts itself to changing light automatically. You can take a shot like this one in the sun, and this one in the shade, and both shots come out fine, automatically. It's a great way to enjoy your vacation again and again. Color movies made with a Brownie automatic movie camera. Kodak's Brownie automatic movie camera costs $77.50 or as little as $8 down. Other Brownie movie cameras start at $34.50. Remember, only a Brownie gives you so much pleasure at so low a cost. And now Kodak invites you to enjoy... The Adventures of Ozzie and Harry. Hey, we're back. Uh, for folks out there listening, odd film formats. It's not really not that odd. 620 film it, the film size is exactly the same as 120. The backing paper is exactly the same as 120. Uh, just like 120 film, I always get a lot of questions saying, oh, how many shots do I get per roll? It has nothing to do with the number of shots. It has to do with the, the format of your camera. When I say format, I mean the, the uh, opening. opening. Mm-hmm. So you can get 8 shots, 12 shots, 16 shots uh, based on what camera you have. And the difference between 120 and 620 is 620 film is on a different spool, a much thinner spool. Mm -hmm. And here at the FPP, we came up with our own FPP uh, handcrafted uh, plastic poured 620 spool. And it's been hugely popular because, uh, hey, you don't have to spend $5 a spool anymore. Or whittle your own. Right. You Uh, and we also sell 620 film. Yeah. And there are an awful lot of 620 cameras out there. And uh, both Leslie and Mark Dalzell brought in a 620 film camera to talk about. We'll start with Leslie. Leslie's camera is called, it's like the fridge of 620 <laughs> oh, film cameras. It's a lovely camera. It's the size of my Pentax 67. Uh, I, I call it the armadillo because at first I was just calling it a small mammal. But this thing's, yeah. And it started with. What is it called? This is called the Kodak Medalist. It's really impressive looking. Is that and a Medalist, Medalist 1 or 2? This is a Medalist 1 or a Medalist okay. Original. Uh, Medalist is a name that Kodak used throughout their history with all 
projectors, uh, disc cameras, the whole thing. But I think probably when the new spools were about to be released from FPP, I decided to Google. And I don't remember if it was great 620s, weird 620s, ugly 620s. I don't know what the Google was, but it came up with this. The Medalist. And I thought, I must have. I've never seen it before today, and I really want one it's now, too. Yeah. I own one for crazy a while. Looking. Yeah. We've talked about this guy before. Walter Dorwin Teague, the great industrial designer, designed this camera. So it is... Hold on. i got to put it down. Was there anything else he designed, and was it a brick? He designed for Polaroid. <laughs> he, he designed the brown, the original... Um, the original little brownie. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, thank goodness they got smaller. That's really <laughs> impressive looking. It is, and there's features on here that are just awesome. Is it as heavy so, as it looks, Mark? It is. I went to eBay. Where else would you go for this kind of stuff? They're pricey. Oh. 150 250 200 You know, buy it now is 250 They're out the door. Is that because the scrap is so, worth 250 so, yeah, <laughs> I think so. I, when I saw it, I thought, this looks like that... Um, and you'll help me with this, my former and swing oh, as you do it. <laughs> swing. There you go. Graphic zero. It's got that. So now it's kind of like a cross between a mammal and a, and a TNT detonator box. So this was introduced in 41. It is a cast aluminum body. It has no bellows to it. It has this helical lens, spins back, spins out a double. Bellows. So this made the camera being the aluminum and that type of a non-bellows bellows, a bellow tube, made that thing very, very well built. And the Army, uh, the Army, the U.S. services and the British armed services used that camera a lot. Really? Especially with the second version. Some of the first version I have, <laughs> the lenses are coated. All of the second version, the Metalist two are coated. And they used that camera for color and infrared shooting. So is surveillance, I suppose. Wow. Thanks for the comments. First and foremost, if you get one of these and they do not come with an instruction manual, you must get one and read one. You will ruin this camera if you do not do things in the right order. Once it's done, it shoots 6 by 9 So I'm getting 8 frames on my roll of 620. And I used FPP spools in it. They were flawless. And one feature that is just a hoot on this is the back. You can either hinge it right, you can hinge it left, or you can remove it completely to load it, which is, I think, brilliant. They use the Ektar lens. This is a a rangefinder camera. It is. That's amazing. Isn't that something? Yeah, yeah, I had one. I I can tell you more after you're done. Okay. Wow. You can use the rangefinder. You can use a little dial on top, too, if you want to zone set it. doesn't matter. Minimum focus, three feet. On mine, we have a shutter speed of maxes out at 1 400th. does go down to B. But you have two settings. You've got one arrow that points to the slower shutter speeds, one arrow if you're using the faster shutter speeds. It has a little red window in the back, which is practically worthless. I mean, it's necessary, but you never use it beyond putting your film in and you load it just until you see number one and then you'll use the dial on the top and the dial on the top then counts down cocks the shutter gets everything ready doesn't allow you to double expose but you need to do all those things in the proper order 
such as when you set the shutter speed, before you advance the film, after you advance the film. You also have to listen on your model, too. It's kind of like those Polaroid shutters. Make sure you press it all the way down. You may just be only unlocking the film advance, but not firing the shutter on this camera. This one could use, that I'm using right now, actually could probably use a little bit of a CLA. I took it out on a pretty cold day. That lens tube was almost impossible to turn. Other things weren't functioning, but once back inside, they were fine. So the, the rules are, you know, you load the film, advance it till you just see number one in the window, then you use the counter on top. The lens has to be, the lens turns in further than infinity. But So you have to turn it out to at least infinity or the shutter won't fire. Why? Well, turning it in makes it smaller and locks the shutter so you don't actually hit it in your case and fire a frame oh. of film off. So it's, it's like a lock to it. And if you don't know that, you think, oh, maybe this is just off because the top reads infinity. But the lens actually advances back further. So maybe it's off. No, it's not off. It's um, meant to be like that. Select your speed before cocking the shutter. Don't know how I shot everything on 400 when I shot my first test roll. So at some point I was reversing that because it was already set. What type of film do you put in it? I just ran Tri-X in it the first time because I have a boatload of it. I always do and and just put some Tri-X in it. It's very forgiving. The spacing was perfect. The frames were perfect. The exposures were very good. Uh, There is not a meter built in, so I just sunny 16 it with that film. It didn't matter. The only thing I would recommend maybe that if you wear glasses, and maybe there was. I don't see really a place to fit on. This is metal back here. The eyepiece is metal. You could scratch up your glasses. You could scratch them. So get yourself a little bit of that um, uh, light trap material with adhesive on it. I'd probably, if this was my camera to keep, just run a little square around it just to put a little bit of a cushion there. That's quite a tip. But it's... Mm-hmm. Um, you all FPP listeners out there who yeah. go get one with big squares on <laughs> their lenses. squares cursing, <laughs> you know, and it's just... Now that back that you Whoa, can take off. Is that cool? You can put a... Um, they had uh, they had spacers, you could, and you had they had a cut film back they that, did, that they, they fit with holder. these. And so you can turn it into do, making macro photography by these spacers pulling the back farther away from the film plane. Get out of town. And, yeah. and so and they had I used to have these and they Shut had, the door. I, I had a, a set of six of them. It would give you about six inches up to six inches away from the back from the, the back used to be. And they were cut film, and they had a little little hinge in there with a with a ground glass to make sure your focus was good. And then and, you, and this has the as. Matt had on his gear. This actually has this little fine-tuned focus. I mean, you can just grab this and turn it, but there's another knob on here that allows you to really fine-tune it in, which they removed that in the version 2 because they put the flash contacts in there. Yeah. So I had the version 2, and also um, this is such a popular... I mean, for landscapes, I mean, 6x9 with mm-hmm. an excellent lens, um, they're, they're a really a wonderful camera, and I had one for a few years... Um, the thing I didn't like about it for me was the rangefinder is so darn small. It's pretty tiny. And um, kitty cat. And again, the focusing is very is, or at least the view the viewfinder is very small too. And so, for glasses wearers, it's not an ideal camera. But it, if you're shooting at infinity, then you could just really you're just composing at mm-hmm. that point. But the other thing that um, 
is really nice about it is um, it's very sturdy camera, and it's got its little quirks like a lot of things mm. from that era. And and but so but they work really quite well, and it will take any kind of film that you can fit in a six twenty spool. Now the other thing is a lot of people like these so much that there was a business called uh, Photography on Bald Mountain that would grind these out to yes. accept one twenty spools. Yep, that's sacrilege. And if, and, and um, that that popular that people, it was yeah. right. And yeah. so, and so, obviously, if you have one and you want to spend, put some money into it, that's one way of of going and assuring you don't have to respool things or right. try to find a six twenty. Or you, you could also probably shoot sprockets in there. Yeah, but I, I'm not sure how it would work. But you could probably do it. I think that a cartridge would fit. Uh, in order to shoot sprockets, you'd have to put a 35 millimeter no 35 millimeter cartridge. Nope, wouldn't fit. Mm-hmm. No. And this has a. Oh yeah. yeah. So no sprockets. Well, you could you could uh, roll your thirty five onto a six twenty oh, spool. You yeah, could you absolutely. Could, yeah, mm-hmm. Is there uh, multiple shutter speeds on that? Because I saw the f stops. Right. What, what are the f stop options on the f stop options are three five to thirty two okay. in full stops. Shutter speeds you've got a four hundred, two hundred, one hundred fifty, twenty five. Then you go down to ten, five two, a full second, and B. Okay. So they have that two. A red arrow mm-hmm. and a black arrow, depending on where you're setting it. Yeah. But um, this uh, one seemed pretty decent. It just was really hard to use when it was really cold. Yeah. Folks listening, yeah. 620 film, uh, if you pick up a few uh, spools uh, over at the uh, Film Photography Project store, uh, rolling your own, once you, like, it's really not a big deal. You know, it, I, I used to hate it, and I would make my now, friend right? Aaron to do it, and now it's almost like... Just it's no it's no big deal. It's no big deal. We, we have no. a video online. If you go to uh, YouTube and you type in six twenty film, you'll see uh, one of our videos. It's me sitting there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think talking to uh, Matt. Were you in there on that video? Which sitting one? There? Oh, the six twenty. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and I'm just sitting there and I talk about rolling and how easy it really is to do. Uh, or you could buy the the six twenty film pre pre rolled mm-hmm. by yours truly. That's me. I sit and I watch uh, episodes of Downton Abbey while rolling film. <laughs> Which, by the way, there was an episode re- recently. I'm guessing it was the year was 1925. It was a little, co- I guess it was a 127 camera. Uh, and there was a, a journalist outside. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there was a, little, it was a folder. It looked like a folder. You yeah. couldn't tell. And yeah. a, the bellows. But, of course, if it was in England, it was probably an English camera, not a Kodak. Okay. Okay, but I, we have a letter not right in front of me now talking about uh, what movies and TV shows you could see uh, vintage cameras. Uh, we'll read that uh, sometime in the near future. Uh, Six twenty film. Let's stay on the subject. Uh, anything else on the medalist? No, medalist. Medalist is history. Just you know, we're a back race, and uh, go out and shoot with it. Yeah, <laughs> it's impressive. It's actually camera. they say it's you know really not any more heavy than an old F one type of thing. It's just bulkier. It, it sure is. Mm-hmm. Now, the next camera we're going to talk about, Mark Dalzell is going to chit-chat about the Ansco Junior Press 620 camera. And uh, one of the first questions I have about uh, about that camera is, will it take an FPP 620 spool? In other words, would yep. it? F- yeah, it fits fine. Actually, th- this one is, it, it's not nearly as precision built as the Metalist. So um, <laughs> you can, this one you could actually... Almost jam a 120 spool in, asterisk footnote, 
um, <laughs> and it'll work. But uh, yeah, yeah, this, the the FPP spool will definitely fit. But yeah, compared to the metalist, this this is a we're doing a good camera, crappy camera here. Okay, <laughs> so this is the opposite end of the scale. You've got flash contacts, and I don't. There's no flash contacts on that thing. Huh. I don't know. I understand that. Real men don't need flash. Yeah, this sort of Whoa. has flash contacts, but um, basically, yeah, this is something that came out. Um, they, they originally started making this in the early '40s. This particular one, the Junior Press, was a model they made in uh, 1949, 1950. And what this is, on the front, it's got a little nameplate over the lens. It does. Which mine has been bent back over the years because it's just riveted on. And if you sort of look under it, you can see it says Ansco Pioneer under the nameplate. So what this was, uh, they came out with hearts. The, no, no, no. Oh. They came out with the Ansco Pioneer in about 1943. And that's what this was. Is basically a 620 box camera. They had a whole garage full left of them. No, no, no. no. This, no? Is, this is limited edition. This one. Here. <laughs> so what they did? They came out in 43. Um, in 49, what they did was they came out with the Ansco Junior Press Kit, and this was marketed at kids for Christmas. Oh. Christmas 1949. So you would get the Junior Press camera in a in a in a shoulder case. Uh, it included a press badge, a press ID card, some flash bulbs, and your little shoulder bag. So you got to play. Sweet. You got to play Baby Ouija. Yeah. <laughs> and here's here's the original ad for it with a little baby a little, a little baby Ouija with his Cuban shirt on baby and his junior. shiny shoes. Hilarious. Sweepy Junior. So that's. <laughs> oh, picture your Christmas. Dot 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 with Ansco. It's a great year for pictures. Ansco Film makes the picture right. Ansco Film any day or night. It's a great year for pictures. So why don't you go and get a N S C O? Whoa! It came like in a tin. Yeah, came with a tin, and then it came with the little shoulder bag that he's got. He's holding. So it came with the camera. Came with a press badge. Came with a, ID, a press ID card. Uh, on the bottom here, he also got a baseball a baseball bat, a drum. <laughs> And I can't tell what the other stuff is. That's what every kid wanted for Christmas. Baseball bat and a drum. <laughs> That's how John drums. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it basically, if you see the, the Ansco Pioneer or if you see the, um, the uh, Junior Press. I've got the Indian. Have you shot with that camera? I have shot with it, yeah. It's, it's, it's just a, you may have mentioned this. It's just a fixed. Yeah, so w- everything's it's, fixed. It's fixed everything. I mean, it has one shutter speed. Perfect for a child. Um, yeah, it's really easy to use. The hardest part about it is loading because it loads like a box camera. So you're loading up, over, around. The, it's got a big yeah. curved film plane to compensate for the fact that you've got this really terrible single element lens. In the <laughs> How many shots per, per roll? Uh, well, it's a 6 by 9 so you'll get 8 as eight. well. Like I said, it's, it's a 620. You can fit a 120 cartridge in there, and it'll close. The problem is... It binds up a little bit, so as you're winding it, it's a tough wind, and because you're putting tension on the film, it makes the film buckle. Oh, well, yeah, why bother? Mm, why well, right, bother? but I'm just saying, yeah. it gives you, you know, like we were talking about earlier, it gives you that toy camera look because you get sort of a, a weird warp to the film, which yeah. is what I did. There's, a, there's an example I put on my photo stream. I took a picture of my car outside the studio, and it has this weird sort of tilt-shift toy look to it, which came out really neat. But, yeah, if you wanted to... You know, if, I, I would just say use 620 in it and uh, and do it properly. Um, it says right in here, use Ansco 620 film. In fact, it's a great year for pictures. Ansco film makes the picture right. A N S C O. Oh, look at that! So make sure you use Ansco. And mine, mine actually has a a, a repair tag. Mine, mine. Was, oh, maybe this was the original sale tag. Mine's handwritten on the inside in pencil, November 14th, 49. Oh, oh how about that? so maybe that's when. 
the and store originally just checked it out before they sold it to some kid in November of 49. I don't know. Do you ha- own any of the flashes, the proprietary flashes that came with that camera? I don't have the one that would fit this. But, yeah, on the top there is there is pins, a little flash. Two con- odd pins. Yeah, so there was a big flash that would sit on top. With a bulb, flash bulb. Yeah, with a big bulb, yeah. So uh, there's a yeah, you can see it in the picture here, the big. Oh, yeah, look at that. The big reflector. What uh, would this cost today? Uh these were sold for fourteen dollars back then, which is about a hundred and I did the adjustments about one hundred and forty dollars today. So it's a nice toy. There it is. It's not a toy, maybe for a nephew, but for a son or daughter. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you can pick them up on you know eBay or wherever now. I'm sure for twenty twenty five dollars. We got what's going on over there. This is a brownie flash six twenty with the original <laughs> flash with a light bulb, a screw in light bulb. It looks like something from your refrigerator. And That's quite a flash bulb. That is quite a flash bulb. In fact, these are the kind of you can flash put that bulb in your fridge and scare your and, wife and scare yeah, you scare the crap out of somebody really. Uh, or the other trick was stick them in your someone's enlarger. Good <laughs> one. <laughs> Blam! Blinded. Uh, I might he, make some really cool prints. Actually, you never know. Well, once. <laughs> yeah, once. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> one. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a, just another. Box camera from Kodak Brownie and 620. It's it's probably not a whole lot different from the the Ansco Pioneer or press photographer. It is another six by nine, and well, that uh, one looks drastically better quality. That's that's actually got like a bulb timer on it. And, yeah, and, it's got a few things, and it's also is that a focus? Uh, no shutter. Oh no, actually, this is it's another lens, eight, five to ten feet. And oh, so you've got a close-up close up lens. Feet. Oh, luxury. So th- th- this is, and it was made in USA. Oh, ah, good old. And uh, it's got a uh, thing on the bottom for opening it up. Open, and the bottom should just pull right out. That's a clip. For loading. There we go. The top pulls mm-hmm. right out. The flash isn't in place. It does that? Does the flash on that Kodak running work? Well, if I put batteries in there, it would. It takes what two? What's pen light batteries? Two yeah. pen light batteries. Yeah, I would think so. 8D batteries. <laughs> <laughs> and, yes, this one actually has a 120 spool in it. Ooh. Oh. Um, but it says use Kodak 620. I suspect. Just well, the tolerances. I, I know I use this in the past. I probably haven't used this for 10 years. So, But you do get a, again, the back is curved just like mm-hmm. with the Ansco yep. because mm-hmm. you've got a fairly crappy lens in there. It's, it's, a, a, beast. it's a stylized metal box camera, yeah, basically. And it's, and it's just got a uh, fairly simple shutter. It, which can lock, so you don't. If you're doing a time exposure, you can set it down and lock it and walk away. Mm. Just like, walk. You can away. hear that, Renee. Right. And then uh, if you lock it, you can't push it in. But if you put it on B, lock that baby. Do a set it for a couple hours or something at night mm-hmm. and walk away and, and open it up again. Cool. Very so, good. A me- little metal monster. Hey, so I found out where those strudel are from. Where? Croatia. Imported in through I have no New Jersey. Probably. No, I read the box. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> really? Uh-huh. Let's, uh huh. Let's take a break. I'm not done talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mark. I got more. Hey, we're back. More? Ba- hey, we're not back. Here's Mark Dalzell. Still Dalzell. talking about the Ansco uh, 620. Well, I, just, I mean, I just wanted to say, to finish <laughs> up, 620, these... For what it's worth, they they did also make these in a 120 version. After now we talked about the 620, oh. but I wanted to say interesting local tidbit was these were designed by Richard Dreyfus. You're gonna need a bigger boat. 
Richard Dreyfus. Yeah, well, looking at Mark from Jaws. <laughs> yeah. Mark knows who I'm talking about. They, they were. Uh, de- he was a, again a very famous industrial designer, um, but he designed such things as, you know, that round thermostat you've got on the wall. He designed mm-hmm. that. He designed the West Clock, uh, Big Ben alarm clock, ben. which we all had in the 60s and 70s. Uh, and he designed the Polaroid SX70. No way. So the same guy that designed the SX70 designed this Man, his, lump. His, his standards went, got better as he got older. I'm, I'm guessing he may have been 11 or 12 when he designed <laughs> this. <laughs> and he was at least in his 30s when he designed this. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I actually, looked, just for fun, I clicked on his name because it was, uh, you know, clickable. And he was... He was from Brooklyn, but he actually ended up moving to Ann Arbor. Oh, he really? died in the 70s, but his office, uh, Henry Dreyfus Associates, is still in business in Ann Arbor. Let's go. Oh, wow. A couple wow. miles from here. That's cool. Which is just a weird coincidence, isn't it? It is weird. So, yeah, the guy that designed it, just down the road. You know, and the SX-70. And the SX-70. Wow. You know, the cool thing is that Google searches now, you can find out so much stuff we couldn't have found out before. It would take weeks and weeks of looking through library oh, yeah. materials to find anything like this out. Now it's all out there. You it just is. have to make your search terms appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yep. Dig. Wow, that's cool. Wow, thank you, Mark. And sure. don't take the first Richard Dreyfus that comes on your Google, <laughs> no. right? you got to go down the list a bit. Hen- oh, Henry. Did I say Henry? Or Richard? Henry Dreyfus. Henry Dreyfus. Henry. You said Richard Dreyfus. The whole time I've been saying yeah. Richard Dreyfus? That's uh-huh. the man from Jaws. Yeah. Do it again. <laughs> hey, we're back. <laughs> no, we're not back. <laughs> Henry Dreyfus, not Richard Richard was Dreyfus. his middle name. Oh, my gosh. Henry Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll be right back. We're going to need a bigger laughed. camera. Do you love the Film Photography Podcast? Show your support. Visit our online store at filmphotographyproject.com. That's right. Your purchases at our store support this show. What show? (laughs) You're also supporting our ample giveaway programs and our workshops. Just go to filmphotographyproject.com and click the store button. Good golly, Miss Molly. We're an official reseller of Kodak Alaris Films. That's right. Impossible Project Instant Films. Super amazing. And our very own FPP hand-rolled films. Most notably is the addition of Shmina Films. Shmina from Eastern Europe. Shmina FN64, photo 100, photo 200, photo 400, as well as Eastman Kodak black and white motion picture film. That's right. Such stocks as Eastman Double X, Eastman High Contrast 5363, and the awesome Kodak Fine Grain 2366, filmphotographyproject.com. Hey, hey, thanks. Let's get back to more show. Hey, we're back. Uh, here's a letter from uh, Zach that Matt's going to read. What? Who? Zach Store. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, you know this guy? Yeah. Hey, everyone. Just wanted to drop a line and mention how much I appreciate the podcast. I'm 27 years old and have been shooting photos for around 15 or more years and originally learned on film long ago, but didn't really get back to it until my son Blake was born in September. Now I'm going nonstop and ordering all kinds of cool film stocks from you guys. Can't wait to shoot it. Just purchased some... 5222, Sphema 125, and the good old Debonair. Nice! You even threw in a roll of color slide that I've never tried, but can't wait to give it a go. Your guys' podcast is teaching me a ton, so thank you. 
I was listening to an archived episode the other day during my commute, and you mentioned having in your hands, uh, having your hands in the bag of film on the reel and getting the film sweats. Since I've started to develop my own black and white at home, it's good to know that I'm not the only one who started to sweat out profusely when having a bit of trouble when getting my 36 exposure roll onto the reel. Mm. Let's oh, see. Yes. I work as a as an IATSE uni- union television camera operator. IATSE. IATSE, sorry. Union television camera operator, and I constantly find myself in intensely high-pressure situations, but there's nothing quite like having your hands in a bag for 10 minutes on one roll, and that sweat starts flowing. Now I know I'm not alone in the, in the dark place when I get the, the film sweats. sweats. The dark place. Thanks for making cool film stocks available at great prices and for the very helpful and entertaining podcast. Keep up the good work. Zach Storer. Thank you, Zach. Yeah, thanks, Zach. That was great. Uh, so many folks have discovered the FPP online store where we have our great hand-rolled film. It's all rolled by yours truly. I enjoy doing it. I'm still going strong with it. It's going to be a great year for hand-rolled film. The prices are crazy. They told me that you had gone totally insane. Crazy and good. Crazy good. Crazy good. And for folks out there, yeah, you know, whatever you might be doing, whether in the dark room or in the film bag trying to roll something yourself, don't get the film sweats. Take a deep breath. And, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to do when you get the sweats. You get the sweats. <laughs> but lately, I don't know if you guys remember, I used to get the film Days, D-A-Z-E, when mm-hmm. I used to try to figure out what camera I'm going to use for the day. Yeah, you don't seem to do that as much no. anymore. You just know. You just I just know. I used to just stand there and, like, with a strange look on my face, like, oh, what am I going to do? You'd have to say we're going to yeah. dinner 45 minutes yeah, before well, we actually go. What camera am I going to bring? Uh, you know what? I've really thinned out my collection. Me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This past uh, holiday, I uh, put my personal cameras up on the bay and uh, really, really thinned it out. Hey, do I need three three camera I- FTB camera bodies? No. You know, do I need uh, three Polaroid big shots? No. So... Wow. So uh, speaking of the FPP store, Mike, yes. uh, we've been you know we've been rolling through with these great deals. Uh, is there anything we're uh, oh that's on special this time around? Yes. 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 Well, thank you for asking, Matt. Yes, this month, this show. <laughs> what show? A very popular film is FPP EDU two hundred. Mm. It is a uh, it's an awesome film because it's a special film. It's a surveillance film. Mm-hmm. Uh, designed by FOMA uh, that we purchased from a private surveillance company who I'm guessing uh, did a, a digital conversion of their cameras. And therefore, mm. uh, I bought 2,000-foot rolls <laughs> Whoa. in a sealed black plastic bag. They're not in a can or anything. So I bought, as you would say, miles of it. Uh-huh. And the, the company was cool enough to send me like a small bag. I tested it. And then uh, I said, wow, this is great. And then I bought all of it. Mm-hmm. So that became FPP EDU 200. Surveillance means that it could really withstand some really long uh, keeping your shutter open. Mm-hmm. From a sensitivity perspective, do you, do you guys have any recollection? I pushed that to 800. Oh, okay. Did marvelous. Oh, so it's oh, somebody, oh hold, hold your thought about this, the film of the month. Here is Dane Johnson calling in from Jersey City. Hey. hey. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. No, I'm all right. Hey, Dane, you're on the show. Oh, all right. Cool. What show? I just got up. All right. <laughs> How's it going in Jersey City, New Jersey? That's right. I'm just having a coffee here. And yeah, he's 
I got a text from Mark saying you guys are talking about the Pioneer. Yeah, oh. I just finished talking about my uh, my. I got the Junior Press, and you got your Pioneer. Yeah, I got you got you got the rebranded one. That's right. That's right. How's it? Uh, where are you guys in Michigan or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're in Ann Arbor. We're at Mark O'Brien's house. Oh, cool. All right, all right. So I couldn't make it. Yeah, you obviously you woke up late. You were supposed to be here. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't making the red eye. No. <laughs> so what was? How was it shooting the Pioneer? You shot. That was awesome. You shot 35, right? Yep, I shot sprockets. And, uh, yeah, it was cool. I forgot to cover the dot in the back, so, of course, I got light leaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but luckily, I shot it all one night, so I didn't sit around too long, so it wasn't that bad. But uh, that was freaky. You know, it was freaky. To, you know, it's a wide, wide, uh, it's like being like a box camera in a way. It's, it's, you know, wide picture. So, you know, we got a lot of, lot of foreheads. I'd recommend shooting it, you know, uh, portrait, whatever you call it, you know. Flip it 90 degrees and shoot it. Don't shoot landscape. Right. You're just gonna get you're gonna get a bunch of necks and foreheads. You know. So. Did but, Did you uh, scan yours in? Yeah, I did. I was planning to post them yesterday, but uh, I didn't get. A, they were scanning in my left, so they're in. They're freaky. I'll tell you. Did they come out yeah. sharp at all? No, not really. Okay. Like, well, well, not if you you know like the nice thing about when you use like a box camera, I you know for one thing that has kind of the B setting on it, the bulb setting, so you can actually lay it down on a table. And really make sure you're going to get something sharp. But this thing's since it's you know it's another one of those ones where the, the you got to give some force to the trigger. So you tend to like you know when you're just using the trigger, you're, you're, the whole thing shifts you know uh, and uh, shakes. So uh, I don't know unless you got a lot of light or something. I don't know. Maybe you'll get something sharper. But yeah, I you know tell you the truth, I'd probably you know I'd just whip out a box camera if I was going to shoot with that thing. Like yeah, that's stuff. basically what it is, yeah. yeah. Cool. So anyways, yeah, that, and I'm still in 110 mode. I'm shooting, uh, I got my, uh, I was shooting that last night. I brought the, uh, what's that red thing? The flashlight? <laughs> yeah, that one. I don't even know what that thing is. Let me go get it. Hold on a second. <laughs> that thing is, that thing's badass. I'm happy to hear <laughs> you shooting 110, uh. I'm nothing but 110. We went to Anaheim. I just brought 110 with me. Oh, that's else. great. 110. Oh, it's in my deck. See, look at that. It's in my jacket from last night. So it's that small. It looks like a flashlight. 110 is convenient because it's it's you just put it in your pocket, right? Yep. That's right. Uh, yep, it's in my pocket. Let me see here. It's a deep pocket. And this pocket. one is awesome. This is Mark scored this in uh, Anaheim at the, uh, was it at the, where was it? At the camera store? It was at, yeah, there's a, a camera store in Fullerton, California that we went to, John and I went to. It's called the Agfa Sport. No kidding. And yeah, and it's red with like a pinstripe, and it's and it, the flash comes off, so it gets really small. So yeah, the like flash the pops off the side like the Olympus X's. Yeah, it's an Agfa Sport One Ten. I never heard of it. And it yeah, but it comes in a big waterproof canister. It looks like a flashlight kind of thing. And uh, and it's the coolest thing is it's all. Uh, motorized so when you actually take the picture there's no car you know it's an auto auto uh blind so the whole little window in the front kind of goes it's got this great kind of you know 80s you know mechanical sound you know so i'm trying to get a visual yeah it's a bad, it's, it's it's an ice cream sandwich front. looking thing which is red with a race white racing stripe on it and what kind of film are you running through it well, right now i'm running the uh the lomo color 200 okay but I had the Orca in. The problem is with the Orca, you know how the Orca doesn't 
know when it's over. You never know when you're at the end of it because it just goes and goes. Uh, you guys notice that? So you talk about the orca doesn't have a window with a number. Exactly. Oh, that's that's, that's the old old stuff. That's first generation orca. Yeah, that's what I you know. There you go. You know, so you still have that. So, that's from 2011. Yeah. yeah I, right. I have a roll of that that's in my Pentax 110 SLR that I shot in London that I haven't finished the roll yet. Wow. Well, you're never gonna, it could be finished. You don't know because the thing it doesn't have an end. That's true. Come to think of it. And with its auto that's why I've been shooting on it for four years. <laughs> the problem with the auto winding is that it doesn't know either. So it's, I, I, shoot, I was shooting the thing in Nam. I'm like, I know I'm taking 30 pictures. Oh, yeah. I don't know what's going on here. Hey, uh, po- post those uh, 620 pictures on the, the Flickr. Oh, he's been shooting that all day oh, yesterday. He's how driving do, me crazy with how it. How do they look? Oh, they're great. They're awesome. It looks, looks like it. Well, well, I did it. They were kind of funky, the ones I did, because I used, like, that awful old gold uh, film. Inspired yeah. correct gold. We're oh, talking about uh, the Generation K-147 35mm focus-free camera. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Don't be scared to get too close with that thing, because I, I got a shot at Alan. He's probably two feet away from me, and it looks great. Hey, I couldn't believe it. Hey, Dane, it makes fuzzy or out-of-focus pictures a thing of the past. That's right. <laughs> and, you know, it takes professional, quality, clear color prints or slides. That's, that's see? It's, it's not at all. It's everything you need. And it made Alan look good? <laughs> well, you know, well, the fuzzy part was actually helping him, but it's all right. You know. Now, are you, are you throwing a, a flash on top of that? Yeah, the hot shoe works great. And it's a solid hot shoe so because... Not, you don't feel like it's going to like break the top off, you know, <laughs> throwing a flash on the top, you know, like some other cameras. So, mm-hmm. you know. Wow. Yeah. And you're going to yeah, post those I, pictures? The what? You're going to post those pictures? Yeah, I got, the, got them. It's the same thing. I got them all. I got to just throw them on the, the flicker. Fantastic. Cool. All right. Cool. Well, all right, guys. I'm going to get back to my coffee. All, all right. Bye, Dan. Hey, I have to say uh, uh, hi to everybody. I guess I'm on speaker, so hello, everybody. Hello. Hey. 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 You missed the quiche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there was quiche? Yeah, it was really good. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I like quiche. Yeah. All right, well, have fun, guys, and uh, we'll call you some other time. Okay. <laughs> All right, talk to you later. Bye. All right, bye. Hey, our special. Uh, is uh, FPP EDU 200. It's a FOMA, FOMA pan mm-hmm. surveillance. surveillance film. What's so special about it, Leslie? Well, I you, I pushed it to 800. Probably because it's a surveillance film. It needs a wide latitude. See, at that time, I don't think we knew what it was, but uh, perform like a trooper. It has a blue Shot's base. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a nice film. I've shot with it quite a bit. You could probably put it in something like AccuFine, and it would probably give you a, a, an ISO of about... 400 on average. If you yeah, I used, I think I'm pretty sure I used Diafine for the yeah. 8. No, it, it's definitely a film worth using, giving so, it a try. It's also special because it's got Ollie on the front of it. Yes, it does. Ollie the Pug is on the front of the, uh, is, is the, the, the mascot for this particular <laughs> film. Go to filmphotographystore.com, filmphotographyproject.com, go to the store, 35mm film. You will see this film with the black and white. And what you what you will not believe, of course, for the next two weeks is that this film is amazingly dirt cheap. Like, if you have any hair on the top of your head, I don't. You would pull your hair out because you'd be like, yeah! <laughs> buy it up. You have two weeks to buy it up. Our film of the, we're doing a film of the month every month. Something exciting, something fun, something cheap. 
which you don't really see that much. It's very hard to get, you know, fast, good, cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, the right. triangle. Mm-hmm. You have to sacrifice one. But here you're not sacrificing anything. Someone has to take the hit, folks. The scales and balances of the world, of life, it's coming from somewhere. It's coming from me, my gift to you. Go buy it. And when you're, while you're at it, buy some other stuff, too, to keep this ship afloat. And before we leave today, we didn't get to your topic, Mark, but we're going to come back next time and talk about it, which was macro photography. Yep. It's the first thing we're going to chat about. It's a big topic. One quick uh, email from Stephen Ride before we leave. The topic of the email is the word. Word. Is it the bird? Maybe. He says, my name is Stephen Ride. I live in uh, North Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Mm-hmm. Mark Dalzell. Hey, how's it going? The FPP has been an inspiring part of my life. I just keep rotating the episodes through iTunes and love them all. I shoot on a Pentax K1000. Hey. Can't go wrong there. With an awesome 30mm SMC lens. Mm -hmm. Yes, Mm 30mm. Yeah, never heard of that one. Yeah, and a 135mm lens. He also has a Nikon F80, a Kodak Vigilante 620. (laughs) (laughs) I, I re-roll from 120 spool to the 620 spool myself. I'm in the process of saving for a Pentax 6x7, Matt. Ooh, P6. Mm. Get the 2. Okay. Get don't the 2. Me, don't mess around. Get the 2. I fell in love with this camera when I heard the shutter release and had an orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> that is. Everyone within 30 feet turns around and looks at you when you fire that thing. It's great. Yeah. That would be a sticky shutter. <laughs> I process my black and white film at home and will be doing slide film in the near future. I use Rodinol and Blazenol. <laughs> Blazenol? Or bla- oh, so it says, or Blazenol in Canada. Oh. And Xtol as well. I will develop film normally, stand, develop, cross process. I will mm-hmm. try anything. The reason for the email I was at a local bus exchange the other day called Fibs. Oh. And found an FPP sticker on one of the benches. <gasps> oh. Remember I sent the picture around? <laughs> That's pretty awesome, right? I was so excited to see see it that I had to take a picture and send it to you guys. He did. Please forgive me. I had to use my phone. The word is spreading through the masses. Keep up the great work. Long live film. Peace, Stephen. Uh, thank you for the email. And thank you, folks, for tuning in. This has been a fantastic show. And we'll be back in two weeks. And let's leave with, well, since Dane called in and Mark Dalzell's here, let's let's leave with a, a smooth sailor tune. What tune? And what song will we have to, to go out on? Oh, this one is uh, this is from January. This is off our session, Headless Bass Fishing. Um, <laughs> and this is Yelling at Frogs, take one. All right, we'll see you soon. <laughs>
all this is, is caused by UFOs. 